This is LOL DC. I'm Sheena Satum. I'm an Army brat, a self-help enthusiast, and I manage one of the top real estate teams in Washington, DC. I have three small kids, and I've had the privilege of serving on several nonprofit charity boards. I also run a women's empowerment group, and I teach real estate classes across the country. And all these amazing opportunities have allowed me to meet some of the most amazing people who I can't wait to introduce to you. We'll venture through DC and talk about some of the exciting things we're doing to make our communities a better place. One of the most recent projects we invested in was a shower truck for the homeless. We live in one of the most stressed out areas of the whole country. I think it's time for disruption. So sit back, relax. It's time for LOL DC. High school boyfriend, I have brought you on to my show, into my little studio here. I would call you an amateurish expert fan of DC sports. So welcome to my show. Thank you. My first question is, what is it like to be a sports fan in DC? It's terrible. It's miserable. It's painful. I've lost several years of my life watching (laughs) all DC sports. I'm jaded. I'm pessimistic about anything sports related but I'll never change. That's extremely depressing. Well, why don't you first tell us who you're fans of? Most DC sports, skins for football, wizards for basketball, but I don't really care about the NBA. Maryland Terps for college sports, primarily college basketball. Caps for hockey, and I'm an Orioles fan for baseball. I did not make the switch to the Nationals because I am not disloyal and I stick with the cards that I'm dealt. Yeah, that's about it. Okay. What do you think about the Redskins this year? What about their – because, okay, well, I have to tell you this first. I was at Giant, and I was going through the register, and this guy named Josh or John or Bob was my cashier, and – I don't know why I brought up the Redskins. He must have been wearing something that said the Redskins on it. And I said, well, what do you, how do you think it's going to go this year? And he goes, they're really good. I can't remember if he said offense. or They're the, either the best offense or the best defense. One of those he said. So I forgot to ask you about it. but Defense. Okay. Their defense is solid this year. So you feel good? No. This is their year? No, they're not. Oh. They're going to finish 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9 and nine like they do every year. Hot mess of mediocrity. But we'll watch them, and I will be optimistic and hopeful so we can have the the Caps kind of success. Got it. So you remember, I think it was over 10 years ago, we were listening to that NPR um, story with Linda Wertheimer, and it was all about what it's like to root for the Phillies. You remember that? I do. With Joe Queenan. The Phillies were just losing and losing and losing. Didn't they win something recently? They did. They won the World Series. Okay, so they won after like 100 years of not winning or something. Yep. Okay, so I remember Linda Wertheimer said to Joe Queenan, who is a big fan of the Phillies, a long-suffering fan, she said, why don't you just become like a fan of something else, the Nats or the Yankees or something. You remember what Joe Queenan said? Play the cards you dealt. Yeah. And he said, because people who switch allegiances go to hell, just like people who switch parties. And he said it just like that, deadpan. And... He basically believes, like you said, you have to play their cards or dealt. And when I meet people from the Midwest who root for the New York Yankees, I just have contempt for them. Absolutely. Can't, can't <laughs> agree more. 
<laughs> it makes me think of a guy I used to work with who was a fan of every major sports team that ever won a championship around the country. Yankees fan, Cowboys fan, Duke fan. So what's wrong with that? Why don't you, don't you want to be a fan of winners? No, no, that's not life. Life isn't easy like that. When the Redskins finally win, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a miracle. You remember what Joe Queenan said? He said he hates them, just like you hate the skins. And she said, don't you secretly, like, love them somehow? And he goes, sure. I love them. I check the scores every day. Because you check on them just to check in, just like you're checking on a relative just to see if they're still breathing. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. That is true. I will absolutely check the scores of all the teams, standings. Even if I can't watch the games, I'll check it. And mostly for me, I can't miss the bandwagon. Skins all of a sudden turn around and start having a winning streak. I can't be the only guy that's not aware of that and miss all of that success. Got it. So let's talk about for a second people who are just relocating here to the DC Metro area or maybe some Real Housewives fans who don't care about sports. If you were going to choose one facility, I don't know what you call it, to go to, what facility? But like to go, like good food, good action, interesting, not like a, the most boring thing ever. Like sports where, venue. Yes. What would you tell them to go to? In DC, I would say it would be a toss-up between the Nats Stadium and the Caps Cap Stadium, which I can't remember what they're called now, Verizon Center, or who knows what they're called this time. But toss-up between the two. You know, you got good indoor experience with the Caps game. Every seat. You can see all the action. You could be the upper deck and you're still seeing everything that's going on. And they have a good team. Or you go to the Nats games, which I'm not a Nats fan, but they got a great stadium, great location in D.C., awesome bars all surrounding it, just good all-around experience, views of the monument and such from inside. Good food inside Nats Stadium, actually, too. You've got, uh, what's that, Ben's Chili Bowls in there and a bunch of other good stuff. So good toss-up between the two, depending upon the time of year. Best and worst thing about D.C. fans? The best thing about D.C. fans, I would say the best thing is about the Caps fans. I think those are solid fans. They've stuck with them. Most people that go to the Caps games have been fans for a long time, and they're just truly hockey fans. The worst thing about D.C. fans are they are from all over the place. D.C. is a very transient city. So you go to a Redskins game, and you'll have half of the stadium are Redskins fans, and the other half are the other team, whoever the other team is. You know, sometimes I swear I went to a game several years ago where it seemed like the other team, I can't remember who it was, probably Eagles or Kimmer who were playing against, but they seem like they have more fans in the stadium than Skins fans. It's not because they all necessarily drove here and traveled here. It's because they probably work in D.C. So you go to a D.C. sports bar, and you're not necessarily going to a Skins bar. You might be going to some other team's bar, and you're you're the outcast even though you're in the city. Okay, so final question. Who is a D.C. athlete right now that you're super excited about, their future, maybe a young person, something like that? Hmm. Maybe an old person who's got, like, their final fling year, whatever you call that. Yeah, that's a good one. I would say actual real success. I'm excited about Ovechkin. I think he's still a beast, and I think the Caps have a legitimate chance of going repeat back-to-back. -back. They've kept the team the same. Outside of hockey, I think it's pretty cool that Adrian Peterson is still playing. He's an old man, still hustling, doesn't look like he's, he's lost much of a step. I mean, he's really not that old. He's probably like 33 years old. I think he's younger than I am. But for football terms, he's 1,000 years old, still schooling the young guys. So I think that's pretty cool. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for coming into my studio and giving us your amateurish expertise on what it's like to be a fan of DC sports. You got it. How's it going? Great, great. Thank you for having me. Travel. it is so awesome to have you here in my studio. Beautiful studio. <laughs> Thank you so much, otherwise known as my dining room table. <laughs> So, Travel, you are on our team, SPG, an amazing agent and resident of H Street. Yes, correct. I love H Street. I've been there for about eight years, and so I've definitely seen the transformation, the new restaurants, the new gym, the Whole Foods, which is changing my life. How is this changing your life? Well, uh, changing in like a good way. Whole Foods gives me like a great way to get healthy options. But then on the converse, I have a Chick-fil-A, which is actually ruining my life, mm. which is <laughs> within two minutes walking. So driving by every day, they have that like smell machine. I love where I live. The, is this the Chick-fil-A where there's no walk-in, it's just walk up? True. Okay, I've been there. There's some seats outside. There's a couple seats outside, mm -hmm. but it's real drive-through, fast-paced. When it first came, you'd have to wait in line for 30 minutes. Yes. And I, shamefully, would do that a couple times a week. I can understand it. I actually went there with my kids once when a uh, husband was on a listing appointment. We went there, and there's a bathroom. Did you know there's a bathroom in there? <laughs> I had no idea there's a bathroom. Uh -huh. Outside? Inside, like if you're like at the window where you pick up the stuff for uh -huh. a walk up and then you just walk down a little bit, yeah, hidden door, there's a sweet, clean bathroom in there. It's really nice. I'll just check that out just randomly if I'm in a pinch. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, very cool. Tell me, you're not actually from, from D.C. Uh, no, I was born and raised in Southern California. So Los Angeles was my childhood. I actually grew up in a town called uh, Santa Clarita. So I describe it like milk and cookies. There was a Six Flags Magic Mountain there, a really safe town. I went to college, San Francisco State, which I like to claim I'm from Northern California. <laughs> Why? Why do you like to claim uh, you're from Northern? It's just a little different vibe. Mm -hmm. uh, Los Angeles has a different vibe than San Francisco, the Bay Area. Everybody is kind of relaxed and chill. It has changed since I was there in like 2006, but that's what I claim. The Bay Area is just uh, cooler. Temperature-wise, people-wise, vibe-wise. And then I came over here maybe eight years ago to D.C. And I love it. My dad asked me all the time when I'm going to come back home. And I'm like, I don't think so. Wow. Despite the weather maybe not being as welcoming. But maybe do you like the Four Seasons? I do like the Four Seasons. <laughs> like I had an epiphany when I was in Virginia. I lived in Ashburn, Virginia for a while. And like there was really like trees like falling. And I was like, oh, fall. Uh -huh. I get it. I get it now. So uh, to have like actual summer, an actual spring, uh, an actual winter with snow. Growing up, I used to beg for snow. And now I'm like, ah, more <laughs> snow, more <laughs> snow. But I love it out here for sure. Wow. So how would you describe that H Street vibe maybe compared to Northern and Southern California? Uh, what I love about H Street vibe is that it's diverse. I can have a conversation, like a 10-minute conversation with an old-timer that has me cracking up. And then I can pop into like a little small coffee shop and meet like a new cool hipster. <laughs> and then again, kind of go outside and just see different people, different neighborhoods. There's older people, there's younger people. Uh, now there's the streetcar, which is like some people have their mixed emotions about, but I love. So you've been on it. I have. Do you, how much does it cost? Uh, right now it's free. Oh, it's still free. It is still free. So why would you not take me? Wow. Okay. So I don't know when they're going to start charging, but free is like... 
when they stop crashing. I'm just kidding. That's, a, <laughs> that's an old school joke. It, it, has it stopped? Cra- it, how's the ride? The ride is fine. I think it's the people. They have the same kind of system in San Francisco called the Muni, and nobody crashes. Nobody gets hurt. It's like a big bus, and I don't understand why people can't get it right. Or even with parking, they'll still park on the white line so their cars get towed. That's some good uh, good people watching. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Do they have those things in there? I remember being in San Francisco because I used to live in Northern California and you would pull down on a wire to tell people to stop. Is that same deal? Same, same, same deal. Cool. Does it go ding, ding? Or what? <laughs> what's the sound it makes? It's just kind of like a, a ding in the light. Just the same way if you're on the bus. Okay. Yeah, they're not reinventing the wheel with this one. It's like a pretty standard ding, get off, get on, watch out for cars. Okay, just city life, just typical just urban life. City life. Yeah. Okay. And I think that they're gonna extend it over to Anacostia. I see tracks over there. So my thought is that one day, ideally, it would be great to have one big kind of like streetcar going everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, they're really making a lot of improvements to the Anacostia area. They are. That's one of my favorite areas kind of to look at for housing deals because kind of like across the river where like northeast, northwest housing prices have have skyrocketed. Anacostia, even Deanwood, it's still a great time to get something really affordable. So when I'm looking for my new house, that's what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. You've been inside maybe 30% of the homes in D.C. (laughs) (laughs) D.C., Virginia, and Maryland. Just last week I was in Lynn Burney. I've been to Brunswick, Ashburn, Manassas. I see it all. I really do see it all. And I can kind of, at this point, tell between like an awesome property and one that's a little little shaky but yeah Mm -hmm. I've seen them all so when I'm ready to pull the trigger for my house Mm -hmm. I definitely it's gonna be on the market for two minutes (gasps) yes you'll know offer oh yeah absolutely I'll know you'll know so chances are if you're listening there's like a the four percent chance Travel's been in your house (laughs) (laughs) I have I don't make any judgments it's all objective they're all beautiful in their own right but yeah absolutely so I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I have found working with clients in this, especially they're relocating here, a lot of times they are looking for the house. They're shopping online and they're looking for a particular style. And what it tends to come down to for most folks, if they're going to spend some time, you know, several years, it's not a quick investment property. The neighborhood really does matter. What amenities does it have to offer? What's the feel? What's the culture like? Mm-hmm. Who lives there? You know, is it going to be really community based, or is it folks that are sort of transient? They come home and they go inside, and you don't know who your neighbors are. Well, that's kind of a catch twenty two with older versus newer neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you move into a newer community, everyone doesn't know everyone, so everyone's putting in more effort to get to know their neighbors, get to know their whole block. So relocating. Sometimes I might encourage you to go with a newer neighborhood. Older neighborhoods, depending on kind of where you are, in either in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, it might be hard to break into those cliques. Mm-hmm. But a newer neighborhood, for sure, everybody wants to, you know, meet you, get to know you, especially if you have children, you guys go to school together. It's like a built-in kind of like family and friend system. So there's definitely perks to older versus newer. I think for myself, older, I can... Talk to anyone and kind of make friends that way. But with newer, if you're not really that much of an extrovert, newer neighborhoods, you'll be surprised at how many things they they have for the community. I was showing a house the other uh, day, and they had like a wine night sponsored by the HOA. And I was like, I might just move here just for the wine night. (laughs) I love it. It sounded like a great time. That's awesome. Well, 
somebody's relocating, they're considering H Street neighborhood. How do people get out there and meet people in the neighborhood? What do you suggest? Well, my good friend Gabrielle has some great groups on social media. There's an H Street meetup group. You can meet people at the coffee shop. I can pick you up at Whole Foods. There's just all types of things that are going on. Instagram has great groups where you can do run a join like a run group or walking your dog. You can meet friends. So H Street is, is kind of a community where it has a nicer vibe where you smile at people and you'd be surprised at how many conversations and friendships you can strike up. Mm-hmm. But you have to you have to do this. You have to be ready to do that, right? Open yourself up, be a little vulnerable. You do have to be ready to open yourself up. With DC, what I love is that a lot of people are starting to move here. So people are kind of like, I don't have many friends. And so social organizations, I play social soccer on Wednesdays, which is a great, great time. Is that a DC or is that a neighborhood? Uh, it is DC. It's Zog Sports. Okay. Zog? Zog. Z-O-G? Z-O-G. Okay. Zog Sports. And we've been playing uh, since like the two years we moved here. Uh, when I moved here with my boyfriend, Mustafa, he was on strike for meeting friends. And so I signed him up for this Zog soccer, and he's making friends, having a good time, and we see them every Wednesday, and then it's carrying on where we're having dinner at their house on Saturday and Sunday. So <laughs> social sports is definitely the way to go if you're moving to, to D.C. You know what's funny when you said that is you're very personal, but I would not classify you as a classic extrovert. No. So it's kind of funny if you've ever seen the meme that shows how introverts, which it sounds like you're saying about your boyfriend, which I'm actually not sure about that, but introverts, how they how an introvert makes a friend and it's usually because an extrovert adopts them, which just sounds like kind of what you did with your boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of just put him out there. Yeah. Because I know he's great, but everybody else needs to know he's great. And like, I don't know, he, I stole him from San Francisco. So he's from Ghana originally, been in San Francisco his whole like life. So I mean, San Francisco, you're coming from like nice weather to like, I don't know, some Californians would consider this harsh con- Conditions. Harsh conditions. So probably true. (laughs) It's kind of of true. So yeah, you just kind of just get him out there, and he loves it. He Mm -hmm. does. That's amazing. That's amazing. Favorite restaurant in all of DC. Let's go there. All of DC. You can do a couple. I know that's hard. I can do a few, but I'm a seafood lover. Okay. So I would have to go with Afilamare. Afilamare in Georgetown. Georgetown, right on the water. It's probably like. My favorite, favorite for classic Italian. And these are probably all restaurants that I like worked at or love. But uh, Osteri Marini uh-huh. and Navy Yard, fresh pasta. My favorite pasta, uh, don't tell the old chef, but I used to call it a seafood spaghetti. <laughs> he hated that. But it was. It was crab and sea urchin and like a red pomodoro sauce mm. with bucatini. So bucatini. Like a, yeah, it's my Ex- favorite. Explain to listeners who've never had bucatini what a bucatini is. Uh, so bucatini like. is like a hollowed out spaghetti. Essentially, it really is. It's a little thicker, but there's like a little, it's tubular. Like like a straw. <laughs> it is like a straw. Al dente or soft? How do you like your Ooh, pasta? I have to do al dente. Yes. Soft is like a little weird. You don't even want to chew it. <laughs> yeah. Soft, you just put it in there and hope for the best. But a little al dente, absolutely. And the bread, mm-hmm. olive oil, for sure. I'm definitely, I guess, Italian at heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. And DC, there's been quite a few stories about DC being the largest 
purchaser of rosé. How do you feel about that trend? Yes or no? Yay or nay uh, to rosé? The way your face looks. Are you a no to rosé? You know, I'll drink any wine with alcohol in it. I'm really kind okay. of I'm not 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 very particular. Yeah, I'm a rosé all day. Oh, you are. A so you are part of this trend. All day. Sure. Okay. But I do like my rosé to be a little effervescent. What does that mean? Ah, uh, bubbly. Oh, okay. I need a bubbly rosé. Okay. Those are a little dangerous, though. Why, why? Is the hangovers worse? No, I feel like it goes down smoother. Like, oh. when you have, like, a good Cabernet, takes you got to really, you're really enjoying your Cabernet. Like, a rosé, you're just like, woo! Got it, got <laughs> I it. I feel like. And the frosé. Tell us what a frosé is. Ah, frozen rosé. Depending on who makes it, could be delicious or not delicious. Uh, do South. Down in Navy Yard also, it's kind of like a southern restaurant. They have a hurricane and a rosé, like, on, like, frozen. Mm. Highly recommend the hurricane. Thank you Yeah, for those recommendations. <laughs> You're so welcome. I'm getting thirsty. Actually, I think I'm probably going to go there for lunch. <laughs> I love it. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. It is a Monday. Well, how, is there a better way to start a Monday when you're in real estate? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, no. you be checking, <laughs> checking emails and getting prepared for, for the day. This Monday, I feel like I have Mondays every day. Yeah. I think actual Monday feels a little like a Wednesday in real estate. Kind of. This is my day to kind of digest, plan out my week. Because you worked um, all weekend. I did work all weekend. Yeah. I think I don't. I never really kind of get a break on the weekends. Like a good day for me, off day would probably be like, in between a Monday and a Tuesday, mm -hmm. you know? What do you do on those days? You get up and you just take your time having some coffee. Do you walk down somewhere? Do you drink coffee at home? What's your What's your day um, like if you I, get a day? If I get a day, I definitely uh, drink coffee at home because I'm balling on a budget. <laughs> um, I do like to spend time with my loved one. So like on an off day when I'm not out kind of meeting and having fun, um, we're cooking. So he loves to cook. Like I feel like I'm like a master chef in my own right. My little brother is an actual chef, but I feel like... <laughs> I could probably challenge him and win. That's just kind of my competitive nature with him. My mom was a good cook. So cooking for me, it's just kind of bringing me close to her. And then just kind of, I just, it's how I show love. I like to do things with my hands. And so uh, with Mustafa, he's kind of on this push of like, let's get fit. So we'll take a walk or we'll take a jog. But like, I'm a pretty positive person. But when I'm on a jog with Mustafa, I turn into like, no. <laughs> Angry. You don't want to see me when I'm angry. <laughs> I'm, I'm angry. You know, I can't we walk this one. Can we do intervals? But I do like to spend time with, with him. So you've been selling real estate for a few years now. And my question is, what's different about now that you've been in, in real estate for a while, you've been on your own, you've been on this team. What's different about how we operate, how you serve your clients? I've always come from a customer service background, and when I'm helping you, I definitely help you as if you were my family. And sometimes, depending on what kind of situation, that could be good or bad, because sometimes, you know, I, if I see a house and I know it's going to be bad news, I'll try to talk you out of it. And honestly, that's not really in the culture of like sales. You want to kind of keep them moving and putting them on a conveyor belt. I definitely care about you. When I look at a house, I'm looking at the roof the windows, the HVAC system, the condensers. I'm getting pretty good about the dates. I know when it was manufactured by the serial number. So I'm definitely looking out for the integrity of a house. Um, other than that, like the location, um, what you love about a house. So when I'm assisting clients, I'm really doing it from a place of love and a place of like caring. 
what I love about being with Satan Properties is that we, after we find your dream house, we do a comparative market analysis. And that kind of just breaks down that, is this house overpriced, underpriced, fair market value? And we kind of go there with our strategy. I love real estate because I do like interacting with people all day. And I, it's almost like I get paid to hang out with my friends and meet new friends. And so anybody out there that's listening, we are hiring for new agents and it's a dream job. You know, you get paid to hang out and meet friends and then kind of just help people realize their dreams. And you're kind of, you're a part of their journey for a long time, depending on what kind of relationship you build. I'm looking forward to like seeing these little kids that I've seen as babies grow up. I know that's going to be super special. Yeah, absolutely. I love so much of what you said, leading with integrity. I think that's so critical to our team. And I think you embody that completely. People can see that in your social media too. Like when somebody says, you know, there's, I don't, there's no leak happening in that house and you're, you know, you've got your nose to the carpet. Oh, there's something going on here. There's a smell, there's a wetness. I think we take the sexiness, the fanciness out of real estate and we just get real. We really do get real with people because at the end of the day, we're not looking to open and close deals. Like this is not transactional for us. It's very different. We're very relationship-based. We definitely care about you like family. We plan to be here for the long term. And so the way that we operate and the way that we treat people, I think we're thinking about that. And we're thinking about how we can protect them and advocate for them every step of the way. And, and like you said, once they buy the home, we're not done with them. We are just going to stay in contact with you and just make sure that, you know, that, that we see those babies as they're growing up. Absolutely. And we're, we want to know what you're doing to that home. And we like just come from love. We really do love our clients. Seriously, if I have like some past clients, if I've ever helped show any property and you've like renovated your house, like please invite me over. I'm going <laughs> to yes. start knocking on the door just <laughs> to see, especially if people that have bought things that can be deemed as disasters or we have people going in there knowing they're going to renovate a home it's uh i see like sneak peeks on social media but i'm about to start knocking on some doors <laughs> and just asking for a tour because it's awesome just to see how you put your touch on a home i would have never expected it we've got some great designers we've got lawyers we've got all types of people with different uh, coming from different backgrounds and i know that they're, they're making these homes not only like homey and special but just cool inside mm-hmm. i can't wait i can't wait so if you're listening Invite me over. <laughs> I'm coming. I'll You're coming with Rose. <laughs> I love it. Some cheese. Yes. Well, Travel, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to have you on again. Yeah. <laughs> I really do love to read, but I will say it's been kind of a journey. In elementary school, my parents bought me every book I ever wanted. Kudos to them. I read every Berenstain Bear book like 15 times, and now my kids read them. I'm so glad they're still around. And I remember in middle school, I read all of Sweet Valley Twins, and that was when they were in middle school. I did not read the high school books. For those who are fans of the high school books, I stayed true and loyal to the middle school ones. I never read the boxcar. What was it? The boxcar kids? I think that's what it was called. What was the other one? The Babysitter's Club. My sister was into that, but I was not into that. I was also not into Nancy Drew. I did read R.L. Stein, Fear Street, all day long. Huge fan. And I learned later in life that my husband was a big Goosebumps fan, which I think is so hilarious because I used to think that was so juvenile when I was in middle school. And it happens that my future husband was reading that all along. So that was super funny to learn. And then I guess I got to high school and 
I really lost my love of reading. I think all of those English classes, reading, literature that I honestly just felt like I could not relate to. I could not relate to the classics. There were a few books here and there that I really loved. Catch-22, Animal Farm, still one of my favorites by George Orwell, an amazing satire. I remember reading Grapes of Wrath and feeling so thirsty all the time. Oh God, Moby Dick, worst book ever. 585 torturous pages about what it's like to man a whaling ship and the whiteness of the whale. Whose idea was this to have it in every single English class in America? This book is horrible. That book was so bad that I didn't even make it through the Cliff's Notes. So then I went off to college and I studied government and politics where we read a lot. And I really enjoyed myself there. I really enjoyed those books, politics, policy, a little bit of history mixed in. And then my husband and I moved to Utah where we were stationed at Hill Air Force Base. And there wasn't a whole lot to do where we were. We lived in a town called Farmington, about a half hour north of Salt Lake City. And I read about 200 books during that time. The thing is that we had a lot of time and we didn't have a lot of money. So I just read a bunch of books. I read a lot of religious books. I read a lot of anti-religious books. I read a lot of politics, policy. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life at that point. So I guess I thought reading would get me closer to that. Looking back, I guess I really was trying to find my way. I was working at a few nonprofits when I was out in Utah, and I was actually a contributor to a political blog, and I think it was called Where I Stand, and I'm pretty sure it's defunct now. But I was doing that while I was working in nonprofit in Utah, and I was also getting my MBA. So I guess I was going down the business track for a little while. Luckily, after about a year of working on my MBA, I realized that my heart was really in nonprofit. So after a few years, we came back to the East Coast, and I went back to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and started reading again. And eventually went to get my master's in national security policy at George Mason. And so then I was back into the politics and policy books. And after a few years working in nonprofit and after I got my master's, I went into real estate. And so then the books turned to business and real estate and self-help. And I guess I would say I'm a pretty ferocious reader now. And people always ask, how do you read so much? How do you have time to read? So I thought it would be helpful to just give a few ideas about how you can make time for reading. Because I know everybody's super busy. I myself have three little kids and I do run my own business and I speak around the country and I've got a few other things popping. So it can be challenging to find the time. So Here are my tips for how to get in reading when you don't have a lot of time. So this actually started when I was 17 and my husband was 16. We started dating and I loved to read. And he didn't necessarily have the reading bug yet, but we would drive a lot. We would go on a lot of little adventures. And when he would drive, I would read. And eventually he would say to me, well, what are you reading? And so after a few months of that, I would just read to him whenever we were in the car. When he was in college, he worked as a Pizza Hut delivery driver. So there were a lot of opportunities for me to read to him when he was working. 
And that's something we have kept up. We've got three kids now. One is about seven months old, and then we have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, and I read all the time to my husband in the car, and I think it's a really good opportunity for the kids to kind of see that, you know, the way that we interact, and also to just see their parents reading. I think that's pretty cool. Reading in the car, because we do spend so much time there, I think that's a really great opportunity. I read while I cook sometimes. I'll have a book open, and I'll just read, even if it's just a few pages. So that's something else, I think, to consider, that it's not like you have to sit down necessarily and read 50 or 60 or 100 pages. Just reading 10 pages or so, whenever you have a little bit of free time, can get you through a book rather quickly. Sometimes I'll find myself eating alone in a restaurant or eating alone in my house. And when that happens, I try to sneak in a few pages as well. So I think this is the biggest one for both my husband and for me. Our kids go to bed around 9 o'clock. And as soon as they go to bed, we're either working or reading. So the average American watches about four and a half hours of television every single day. So if you work that out, what does it take to read 100 pages? It's probably about two hours. So you can probably get through at least half of a book in the time that a normal American would spend watching TV. And I know what a lot of people think, like, oh my God, you know, at the end of a long day, I am just exhausted and I don't want to read anything. I just want to sit in front of the TV, turn off the world and enjoy myself. And I totally get it. I don't watch very much TV, but when I do, it's the trashiest TV I can find. It's the Real Housewives. I love every city. But I know it's not the best use of my time. And I found that as long as I'm reading something where I feel like I'm really excited about the subject, it really is no different than watching TV. So I think that's kind of the trick. You know, if you feel like maybe you're just not a reader, it could just be that the same thing happened to you that happened to me in high school where I thought, you know what, I'm not a reader anymore. And that's kind of sad. But I think as long as you have that awareness and you are interested in reading more, check out Amazon, see what the most popular books are, read the reviews, and see what might be appealing to you. And you could perhaps turn that flame back on. So a few other opportunities to find time to read. When my kids get up in the morning, sometimes I will let them watch some TV or play math games on the computer. And at that time, I might read a little bit as well, especially if I'm near them. And finally, reading on the plane. If I have no kids with me, I'm absolutely reading. I try to read at least one book each way. If I am with my kids, I try to make sure to bring a bunch of things that will entertain them, like Play-Doh, Legos, board games, things to color with, things to build, and even a few books for them to try to get them situated. And once they are, I will read. And honestly, that might mean five minutes at a time. I might read for five minutes, and then I'm paying attention to the kids for a half hour, and then I have five more minutes, or everybody goes to sleep, and then I've got a half hour. So just a few pages here and there, and all of a sudden, you're done with that book and on to the next. So hopefully that was helpful. If you guys have other tips on how to get more books in, I would love to hear them. So anyone who knows us knows that we try to give back in a big way to our local communities and that means doing a lot for charity, doing service projects, and we really like to get our kids involved. 
especially being in the DC metro area where there is a lot of affluence and we tend to be in sort of bubbles. Our kids don't necessarily see how other people live and how challenging things can be. So we like to give our kids a lot of opportunities to be able to see that and recognize and have that awareness about all the privileges that they do have. And of course, give an opportunity to give back so that they can learn gratitude. So I interviewed my son to give a few ideas on how kids can give back. Hey Kay, how's it going? Good. Cool. Oh, sorry. It's cool. Okay. So I wanted to talk to you today about things that kids could do to kind of give back to their communities. So can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you've done to help out other people? What we've done, we got some jackets for the homeless, and we also... You've collected warm jackets? We got collected warm jackets and gloves and made peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Yeah. How did we hand them out? Do you remember? No, I don't. Don't you remember we got in the car and oh, drove around? We we got in the car and we drove around and gave some to some homeless people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you think of anything else? We also did a lemonade stand mm-hmm. for the homeless. Mm-hmm. Remember the toiletries? Oh, yeah. We gave some toiletries. Collected them. Mm-hmm. We collected toiletries for the homeless. Mm-hmm. I think that pretty much covers it. That mm. was pretty cool. Do you like doing that stuff? Yeah, and also my mom and dad, they work as a team, and they have they did two things. The first thing they did was they did a sh- shower truck, and it had six showers in it and for the homeless. We're also building wells, right? Yeah, we're also building wells, and the last thing was that my mom and dad work as a team, and they help buy houses. They help people buy houses. That's true. That's true. So, goodbye. Okay. Well, that's a wrap. Until next time, be well, my friends.